two and then two years and two months ago, after hearing these these wonderful women online, we got them here at the Wild Goose, and I, I swear they blew my mind. I have been looking forward to their return ever since, and we had this little interruption. It took even longer than we thought, but here they are, and now it is time for everybody to irregularly clap to welcome <laughs> Bible Bitches. Awesome. Well, so welcome, you. everyone. Thank you so much for being here. As you know, yay! yay! <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> We're Bible Bitches. And this is Laura Barclay, um, with a C, not a K. And um, she's from Louisville, Kentucky. She loves bourbon, as you can see. And she's also an ordained minister mm -hmm. and a therapist. Yes. So she has a lot of interesting perspective. And I am here with the one Sarah E. Hoff. She is the queen of L.A. <laughs> it is accurate. I dominate L.A. Uh, not only is she an MDiv from Wake Forest, um, she also has a degree from Claremont. Yeah, I have a master's in women's studies. Yes, awesome. Yeah. She, has cl she had classes with Rosemary Radford Ruther, which I'm low-key jealous about. High-key, very high-key jealous about. <laughs> um, and you now work for a hospital, right? Yeah, I work for Children's Hospital Los, Los Angeles, as you can see from my bag. Um, which probably wasn't at all stressful in the last year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Let's laugh. Let's laugh in existential crisis. Yes. Okay. So, so um, this season, because of COVID, like prior to COVID, we did a lot of research and we would have a script and it was very like... I don't, produced. I mean, produced in the way that two people who don't know what they're doing produce a thing. Um, but this season, because of COVID, it's been really, really like chill. And we are um, focusing on Christian music because I grew up listening only to like Christian, like contemporary Christian rock. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, and I like so, that. Yeah. And so, like. Are you ready to rock? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I listen to Burlap to Cashmere. I know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, DC all talk. Right. <laughs> um, Amy Grant fans. <laughs> I mean, who is it? Right. It's true. <laughs> um, it's the, it's, she's the old school AG. She's Anyways, the OG. The OG AG. She was. No, she. What's really funny is I'll have to put this on our Twitter account, but uh, so so Amy Grant was here a few years back, and um, she she came down to beer and hymns and sang El Shaddai, which was equal parts like traumatic and healing because I think she knew like how she knew that that song had been really traumatic for a lot of people, and so she did it really gently like a lullaby, and it was very odd and healing and then she she took a picture with us in our bible bitches sign <laughs> oh my god i forgot about that yes I'll, I'll have to put that out on twitter it was very it was such a surreal moment of like you were the soundtrack of my nightmares yeah. and also like you're so sweet <laughs> I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember being like distinctly uncomfortable <laughs> same, same but you're right you're absolutely She's right. a sweet person yeah so the um, I grew up in and out of the Southern Baptist Church, um, but and was in a uh, religious high school, a Christian high school. But my parents had kind of quit the church. They were still Christian, but had were not going anymore. And so I wasn't steeped in this stuff. I would go to the Christian high school and then come home and be like, that was crazy. Like, what What was that? And my parents would be like, yeah, whatever. Let's listen to Elton John, you know, like Billy Joel, whatever. Like, And so she is, this whole season, is showing me all these songs, the only thing she could listen to when she was younger. And some of it I recognize and some of it I don't. Um, and it is kind of horrifying. So it's it's had us think about, like, what is going on? What are the mechanics of, like, worship and praise? And what was going on in the 90s and the aughts and now in, like, psychologically? Like, what what is going on in these praise services? 
Yeah, so um, I'm sure that you guys maybe have all seen um, there's been a lot of conversation around manipulation in praise and worship and the way that in like a contemporary Christian or like non-denominational like Christian church how they um, create an emotional experience that is meant to kind of like lull you into a certain kind of mind frame and or like state of mind Um I like I remember like the first time I was exposed to this was in like 2001 it was like an HBO documentary um and like since then I think it's just been an ongoing conversation and so like that's what we're going to try to tackle in a broad way today um so like let we're going to start with like our own experiences and then go into like the different ways that praise and worship can be manipulative and then like kind of jump off from there so would yeah. you like to go first? Yeah. So the two ways that I've kind of experienced this, um, whenever I was a child, um, up until I was about 10, um, off and on, I would go to a Southern Baptist church um, in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. Um, and the it was the church that my mom grew up in. So picture kind of Appalachian Baptist, Southern Baptist church. Um, and the the songs were all about the blood of Jesus. Um, the pastor kind of had a, a, an iron grip on the church and it was very much like um every sermon was about hell right kind of think sinners in the hands of an angry god you know John, John Edwards like it's very very like violent um and then I started asking these questions of like mom like I don't I don't love this like why are women not involved in anything because she'd be like baby you can do anything you want and then like you know I'd go to church and I'd be like, why is this at odds with everything? Um, and she'd be like, you know what? You're right. If you like, when you get saved, when you get baptized, we're done with church. Isn't that wild? Right. So, um, so <laughs> as soon, and it took me a while. Cause I was, I was like, but what if, what if this is all a dream? What if we're all just a figment of someone's imagination? Like I would just ask all these philosophical questions, but finally, you know, I kind of came to a point where it's like, okay, I'm ready to do this. Got saved. Never went back to church. <laughs> <laughs> for like years and years um and then uh ended up going to a christian high school after being homeschooled for non-religious reasons and that was a really interesting experience because i would come home and it would be these like they would talk about philistines and like the outside world and how bad that was and um you, you know the, there would be these repetitive praise and worship songs and like you know hands back and forth so it went from like old-timey baptist blood of christ to very repetitive over and over and like confess your sins yes i saw someone do a gag face agreed um come forward confess your sins altar calls repetitive 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 and i felt very uncomfortable um in this high school setting and i just very i was like this is all very suspect i did not like it i would stand in the back um, everybody's waving their hands to like a timed beat. It felt very cultic. Um, and I would come home and vent about it. And so I have a very negative experience and I tried not to soak that in as much as possible, understanding that I was at a very, I was a teen, like yeah. this is a very susceptible age. So a lot of it did seep in about who I was as a person, but yeah, it, it, it is, it is not a great time for that. Um, but yeah, it was very negative. Yeah. So I like that Laura had these conversations about, like, what is the nature of reality when she was in, like, sixth grade? I didn't do that until I was in college. She's well ahead of me. Um, I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so, yeah, so I grew up... Um, going to a Southern Baptist church. And then in like my junior high, we went to like, we moved over to a non-denominational church. And so it was definitely like right in the like milieu of what we're tackling today. Um, and in contrast to that, I had my grandmother's church, which was Anglican. So it was very high church lights up. It was all very like by the book, everything spelled out. It's all like, it's, it's process. Um, whereas if any of you guys have been to like this non-denominational, like current Christian or like whatever, like you get it. It's, um, there's a lot of low lighting there's a lot of like hands up. Um, and we had that t twice a week cause it was in church on Sundays and then also in my school's chapel on Thursdays. What was fun about Thursday chapel was that, uh, the praise and worship would not end until somebody went up and like rededicated their life to Christ. At the end. <laughs> yeah. Like there's always, there's like, 
there has to be a sacrificial lamb. Like somebody has to do the thing and then it'll end. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so what, uh, yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, and also like very insincere. Um, so what we, like what we're tackling today um, is, are those kinds of tactics. So um, I don't, I don't think, we necessarily like need to explain so much of it. It's a lot of the like, you know, they bring down the lights, there's repetitive music, it's very lulling, you know, it's very soothing. Um, there is always a like a repetitive song that you're singing along to. There's a lot of like hand gestures. You're in a crowd and like a group setting always has like a, an impact on your feeling of, I don't know, togetherness or being part of a community there's an indirect or direct ask mm -hmm. yeah there's always like a an ask involved and um and and all of these ways are are pretty manipulative unless they're being done ethically and i i'm not sure that that's possible in the framework that's happening right now um a lot of the articles i actually found were um <laughs> churches trying to argue that they were doing it ethically and there weren't a lot of like there weren't there wasn't a lot of criticism because the, like it i think that those comments just got buried because everybody got so like up in arms which makes me think that maybe we're on the right track hmm. maybe sarah <laughs> may have <laughs> um, so do you want to talk about your okay yeah. so so we did we like uh we looked through a few articles so we have like a youtube video that's like of an ex music director where he goes through exactly what i was just talking about and then we have like a you know very scholarly like very academic article um that is titled music as a sacred cue effects of religious music on moral behavior from um it's an article in frontiers in psychology that was published in 2016 by martin lang at all there are like six authors on this and essentially what they did is they they took three populations a hindi population a population in the czech republic and a population in durham north carolina and then they did a test where they did like um, religious music that was appropriate to that population, um, secular music that was in like cadence and tempo with the religious music, and then like neutral, which was white noise. And what they found out was that those people who already had an association like the religious music association the religious music had a clear impact on their like normative behavior like their moral compass and um so i can read the conclusion hold on let me get to it so in summary, the current study provides preliminary support for the hypothesis that instrumental music, it's all instrumental, um, can serve as a reminder of normative behavior, but only for participants who previously formed an association between religious and specific music. This result suggests that while socialization into group norms is, cru is critical for ethical behavior, people need to be reminded of those norms to ensure um, to ensure an activation of normative behavioral schemes. In this respect, religion is a powerful institution that fosters normative behavior via shared rituals, repetitive songs and prayers, and other symbols that can act as associative triggers for ethical behavior, which is a long-winded way of saying that like, religious music has a clear impact on like, your, your like, social and ethical stimuli or like your social and ethical self right and in the the um the hindu context they were doing hindu spirituals versus bollywood um like popular bollywood songs yeah. but in the two uh, in the czech community and in the durham community they were doing ave maria versus like a tchaikovsky piece um and it showed how much it would harken back um, on the shared morality of the like the sort of ethical pieces of that particular community yeah it kind of skewed to me like a little Kierkegaardian in that way where like um it vibed like the community is the like is the like the reigning in of your um I don't know immorality or morality right so there are positives and negatives to this right so music reminds us 
Um, if I if I were to start singing um, a song like a Dolly Parton song, like we would all maybe oh my god I fucking love Dolly Parton right like yeah. we would start we would start sweating yeah. right. Um, I'm not gonna do it. Maybe later. Get me get a couple shots in me maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jolene. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we would all start swaying, and we would be like, oh, my gosh, we, like, we remember who Dolly is and, like, what she hearkens us to be, our authentic selves, and she's amazing, right? It takes, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap, right? Um, <laughs> fucking love her. Oh, man. That's, that's such a great quote from her. <laughs> I love her. Um, but if you listen to, so for, so for the Catholic context, it was Ave Maria, but if you play a song like, what is like one of the songs that would trigger us from our high school experience? So, um, Lord, like, I lift your name on high. That's exactly what I was about to say. Or, um, how many of, how, how many of you does that trigger? Yeah. <laughs> so many hands. Yeah. Oh, wow. We got yeah. like, like a dozen. Yeah. Okay. That uh. it's, and it's, that song would get like played over and over and it would get slowed down and there would be these pieces that would come. And so for anybody that's in the audience right now that might be like hearing that in their head, just know that that's really normal, that there is a, there is a religious traumatic response from some of this stuff because it's going to bring music holds a, a very special place in our brain and in our heart. And so if I were to talk about the secular like corollary to this, um, if I was to tell you, like, I'm going to describe a couple of scenes to you from my childhood and this is, I'm going to jump into the secular piece of this right now. A T-Rex is screeching in the middle of a museum while the banner comes down. You are probably all right now thinking, na, 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 Truthfully, I think it's probably just you. No. It's my favorite movie of all time. A Tatooine's... Oh. Yes. Yes, it was, as it came down. Also, the Tatooine sons... I'm a nerd. The Yes. Yeah, the Tatooine sunset, you can hear it, right? Psycho, the shower scene. Yeah, the shower scene in Psycho, for where sure. Where she's getting stabbed. <laughs> or like, right? y'all have seen those YouTube videos where they like uh, like cut together a romantic comedy, but then put like horror music over it, and it's hilarious. No one? Okay, it's, it's great. If you, <laughs> do y'all it. should look those up right look now. Look those up, it's hilarious. <laughs> if you, it, the, the, the people who do mu- the soundtrack, like, it, like, I'm thinking of, like, epic sound, like, Last of the Mohicans, like, I can hear Daniel Day-Lewis running towards my screen, right? Like, these are the films that have these epic soundtracks. Um, there is a psychological response that we have to these films, right? And, but think about that in a context like the church, where it can be very manipulative, right? They're eliciting a certain type of response where they're trying to get money from you. They're trying to get allegiance from you, <laughs> right? It's, I, I paid for a ticket. I want to be very excited when a T-Rex roars. I want to cry whenever a T-Rex roars. I, I know what I'm signing up for, but whenever I walk inside of a church, I don't know what I'm getting. Well, psychologically, you, but you do like you are going there in the hopes of like finding a community that you feel a part of finding like some sort of like spiritual fulfillment. And when it comes to this kind of manipulation and then there's a tithing element to it, which is like our next point is that then it gets to the tithing where, you know, so you're already like lulled into this kind of thing. You want to be part of this group. And then they're like the offering plate. And um, so another article that we, that, that like really struck us was a CNN, CNN article from um, 2015 called How Passing the Plate Becomes the Sunday Morning Stick Up. Now, the Sunday Morning Stick Up is an actual book written so by... Bad. I know. Seriously. Written by a guy named David Lee. Which I'm buying as soon as I get yeah. to Louisville. It actually <laughs> sounds great. really good. Yeah. And um, and so what he goes into is like the manipulation tactics of getting people to tithe in the church, especially these mega churches. And then also like, where does this money go? And is it appropriate? Is it ethical? And the answer is no. <laughs> Spoilers. <Shocker>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, there are lots of like red flags, you know, about like keeping your pastors accountable and how in these mega churches, it's 
it's hard it's hard for me as an outsider looking in because i'm no longer uh participating in the church it's hard for me as an outsider looking in to see these pastors with like very comfortable very very comfortable houses and mini cars and things like that and not be really judgmental about how they're spending their money um so but he goes into um how tithing actually isn't how the church tells us that tithing is like part part of the bible it's what we're told to do 10 percent gross not net you know and um and how in fact that's not actually what the bible says at all and um and how there's all of these kinds of like manipulative ways that they have basically like uh, you know like left out certain information and like minute like a uh, re reappropriated reappropriated certain information um t- tell the story about Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. So there's this quote that I love from that article where it's like, if you are trying to get money, you can't finish the chapter of whatever Bible verse you're using because it's going to flip it on its head. So essentially the challenge here is if you're in a church and someone reads uh, like a, a scripture and it's about tithing, finish that chapter, whatever they're, whatever they're talking about, finish the chapter. Um, so two, two things that you might've heard pretty frequently from the pulpit. One is like the, the widow's might right from, um, Mark 12, um, 41 through 44, the, you know, the widow who puts the last two pennies in and she's like, and it's like, Oh, how was that preached? It's like, um, Oh, she put her last two pennies in, right? Like we, everybody should be like her. The rich people didn't do that, but she did. We should all be like her right if you look back at the previous chapters like jesus is talking about how the like spiritual leaders are exploiting poor people widows they're gobbling them up and so that verse isn't about oh my gosh we should be like her it's about this fucking church is exploiting this woman and that's not okay and this is not okay and so it's flipping it on its head to say what is the problem with this power structure? And I've never, not once, heard that sermon. Not once have I ever heard that sermon. And that's problematic. That is really problematic because I think that that still gets preached in even progressive churches, right? Yeah, everybody's nodding. Yeah, it's problematic. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta do a better job across yeah, the board. It's um, true. And another one that gets talked about is Malachi 3. Um, and it's like um, talking about how um, stingy people are. But what that's actually talking about is the priests. The priests are being stingy, not the regular people. It's like the priests are this ruling class and they've got all the money. So, like, why the fuck are we not finishing the chapter? So, I, I think, like, the Malachi one um, is really interesting because the way that they talk about that is that it's, like, um, will a man rob God? And that, and, like, they frame it in such a way that, like, withholding tithe is robbing God and that then God will give you, like, what, prosperity or whatever. It's very prosperity gospel, in my opinion. Um and if you read the whole chapter, it is more saying that, like, um, y- you are not robbing God. Um, the real thieves are the greedy priests, but the pastors turn the scripture into a blanket condemnation of people who can't give enough. And, um, and it's super problematic. Also, I think it's hilarious that in this article, he, repre- he, uh, he references a guy named Jacques, who is the editor, editor of a website called PimpPreacher.com. And I think we should all check it out. When um, we all have internet, let's do that. <laughs> when we all have internet. I, can't, I can say neither, neither good nor ill of it, but let's all go there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then, like... Like a weirdly, a really weird part of it is there is a, um, and this may just be like an American thing where people who have like, quote unquote, made it financially get a higher status in the community. But there's definitely, like, I definitely saw that in the churches when I was growing up that, you know, the people who tithed more, they were like more popular in the church. Oh, and there's evidence of this going back to like um, the 1800s yeah. where they would publish lists. And so whoever got more, whoever paid more tithe would get closer to the front and that they would have pews reserved for them. Right. 
So it was this like closeness or access to the front um, that's hugely problematic. Yeah. Well, and it's like I mean, it's it's not just like it's it's definitely like for these communities where the church is kind of the center of the social network. It's not just a social, it's not just a spiritual thing. It's also like you're standing in the community as a whole. Right. And so like, I mean, just as a good business person, like, yeah, you should invest in that, but it's problematic. (laughs) You know, if you're actually trying to do it right. (laughs) Well, and also, um, as we're talking about this, I just want to kind of um, talk about the psychological piece of this as well, that we're we're talking about exposing a lot of the people like when I think about the time that you and I spent in this aspect, like I am now in a progressive church where the the, the manipulation of um, one's emotional side is not that's not part of it. Um, and you are not in the church. Um, and so. But when I think back to the time that we were both in a similar space, I think about we were teenagers, you know, and that is a time when our brains were really susceptible to to these big archetypal thoughts like guilt, shame. And uh, it was this encouragement, like, like, I'm so struck by your story of we were all stuck there until someone confessed something. Yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah. About what that's doing to a child's psyche. Well, and like, what's, I mean, what's so wild, and we didn't discuss this before, sorry. But um, what's so wild is that, like, so part of my job is to, um, like, listen to and edit lectures on behavioral health for adolescents and one of the things that they stress so much is that the teenager's brain is still like very much in development very much in development and is in like a very um uh like really precarious place because they want to be like an adult but their brain is still like just like a soft little baby child you know and and then like when you bring in religion which just like really really hones in on all of those things that are like the anxieties of being a teen like lack of identity for sure and um like being part of a group and feeling lost like these are all things that are like the existential crises of teenage years and then you bring in a contemporary christian pastor who's like i'm gonna fix all of that for you just identify with us but don't think about it too hard Absolutely. And I would say that in my work as a therapist, a lot of what I do now is um, addressing religious trauma Um, because here's a spoiler alert on uh, therapists. A lot of times we deal with things that we have dealt with in our own past. um, And it's very interesting the commonalities there and and the 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 themes that we're talking about now are things that so many people have felt right. They've 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 seen themselves get manipulated by this and then they're trying to work through what is that what do i do with this what do i do with this experience where i thought that i was experiencing something that was spiritually um moving but really it was manipulation and what what is real what is what is spirituality um and how do i parse that out from uh, a a hierarchy that can be very manipulative yeah and like um i mean I would say that a large part of that movement requires you to kind of like die to the self in order to be part of the group, part of the whole. And it's really hard to get out of that. Like you, you come out of that and you're like, I have no idea who I am about anything. Um, and, and like, that's probably not true for everybody because I don't think a lot of people grew up it, in it the way that I did, like homeschooled and like then Southern Baptist Christian school and just like completely like in the bubble. But yeah. But yeah, I mean, I would say that there are aspects of what we're talking about here where I, I just remember listening to a really uh, good podcast that I really want to, like, it's going to come to my brain at some point, but several years back where they were talking about the elements of, of being in a cult and you can kind of Google this and see like what's, what is a cultish what, what does it mean to be in a cult and what does it mean to experience things that are cultish? And I think a lot of us probably here in this um, tent right now have experienced cultish religion um, where it isn't, it's not full on cult 
i.e. like it's not going to tick every box but it's going to tick some of the boxes where you've got the charismatic leader and you've got the set of beliefs that you have to believe and if you're not in the group you're out of the group and maybe you're going to go to hell right um and maybe you're bad like that's that's where it um that's where like the the stuff that's a, that that is so harmful is putting back in that thing that like everybody is good right we're all part of creation and you don't have to die to yourself like this is everyone is good you're all beautiful and get getting that back reclaiming that is such a huge part of healing from cultish religion that you are good you are beautiful well and so then like what does that look like um like like for me growing up there was it was kind of this dichotomy of like either this very manipulative like really preying on your emotional self christianity or there is this anglican like high church like super dry you know bright lights all the time only like hymns from the 1800s you I know. will take that anytime. I guess the other, like I will walk in any Anglican church. <laughs> Seriously, like because I know what I'm gonna get. Like UCC Anglican, like like a lot of times where I'm like, but Anglican for real. Like it's 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 gonna be it's gonna. So as a as a progressive Baptist, like if I'm on vacation and you know this is we're all talking about like pre-COVID times, right? Like vacations, <laughs> going inside places. <laughs> We're talking about the before for <laughs> all right the before times. Um, I like I feel like a lot of a lot of progressive Baptists like we'll go in an Anglican church because we know what we're gonna get. I don't have to go through the work of being like, is this Baptist church okay? Are they gonna hate me? I don't know. Like, but if I go in an Anglican church, it's all written out for me. I know what I need to do, and uh, and it's pretty sad that that's the state of things. That I need that in order, and I'm an ordained minister. I'm an ordained minister, and I need that to be okay in another place. Yeah, like so. I just feel like our churches are. We need to be doing a better job of welcoming if that's the state of things, right? Um, so, and I also want to rope this back to you because in the, <laughs> this is our third point, roping it in. <laughs> um, I think that a lot of this has to do with, um, Sarah and I saw a lot of really disturbing parallels to, um, to Trump on this. Um, well, the cult of Trump, the cult of Trump, right? Um, I feel like we can all sit here and just commiserate over the last couple of years and, and, and talk about how terrible that was. Um, but there's sp some specific points we want to tease out about, okay, so you have the, you have the charismatic leader, which I would argue is not charismatic, but other people will. <laughs> no, but, oh, he, but he is like, he presents himself. I mean, he's horrible, but he presents himself as this like Horatio Alger story, right? Like, right. and also as a champion of the white man, which is a <laughs> population <laughs> that is, I'm, Embar I'm embarrassed to say this, but they feel like very underrepresented, unrepresented, and you're just like, I'm going to hit you in the face right now. Um, <laughs> like Absolutely. And like, what songs would he play? Macho Man, right? Like yeah. he would play these, and it was repetitive. It was, how do you identify with him at every single one of his rallies, right? It would be like Macho Man. There would be all of, all of these sort of like Lee Greenwood, USA. He, or like, uh, like, yeah, like Born in the USA, or that like... Well, and, but... but but that got pulled because Yo, but uh, like, Bruce Springsteen was like, hell no. Like, good yeah, for him. Like, totally. John Mellencamp was like, no. Like, right. Yeah. But like that. So then it was Kid Rock and he was like, what? Ew. Ew. Of course Kid Rock of would be into Of course Kid him. Rock. Right. <laughs> um, so it just kind of, and then like three doors down. Like exactly. who else? Who else? He said if the shoe fits. Yeah, right. <laughs> if the shoe fits. And, yeah, totally. Um, so it was it was kind of like finding these songs that he would sort of repeat that would say something about his identity as a macho man. And that also says something. Um, my, I'm going to give a shout out to my husband, Ryan. Um, he was he showed me an article where um, the reason why the mask mandate became controversial at all and political was because Jared Kirshner laughed um, and said that um, Trump looked effeminate in the mask. 
And so then he was going to do a mask mandate because um, there were these Louis Vuitton masks. I think it was, was it a CNN article, Ryan? Yeah, of course it was CNN because he hates CNN. Um, But but he was interested in doing a contract with Louis Vuitton where he would send like, what, three masks to every American or something like that. Um, But then when Jared Kushner laughed at him and said he looked effeminate, then he was like, no, we can't do masks. Okay, I'm going to get on my high horse right now and get it, get on it. Sexism, sexism is bad for everyone, everyone okay like it's okay for men to wear a mask they don't need it's not about their masculinity and like for him like for him as a like the literal leader of the u.s to be so swayed by mm. being oh, fuck that bullshit i know i mean love you guys but also <laughs> woo! but also but also th- right <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know. We wanted to start out with just being like, Trump, am I right? (laughs) And then then it ends. Everybody's like, high fives. Yeah, high fives. (laughs) And it was five minutes. Um, But also, I think, like, think about the, you know, the same things that we talked about with the the things that, you know, from the 90s and the aughts of growing up in this, like, sort of bullshit repetition and, like, brainwashing. It's there in Fox News. It's there in QAnon. It's there in the cult of Trump. It's the repetition. It's the music. It's it's the sense of fear of other don't be like them right and so we've all I I feel like everyone in this tent has probably had an experience where you've lost someone to that group you know someone that's in that group and it's the it's the same it's the same as it was in the 90s and the aughts it's just been co-opted and politicized and it's even further yeah like huh what well, yeah. So, like yeah, the, H- the yeah. HBO documentary from two thousand and one, which I only re- like, I cannot speak to this because I haven't watched it since then. But um, they took actually like a proper like a televangelist, and then they like spliced together like scenes from Nazi Germany, and it was the same thing, like the like prayers, and then it's like Nazi Hitler, and um, and it kind of made sense at the time. Like, there's a lot of hypnotic elements that go into the like the low lighting and the swaying and the, like the repetition that gets you into that mindset. Um, but I would say, like, with... Tr- yeah. Repeat it, right? Yeah. Repeat it and believe well, the lie. And, yeah, like, um, and, like, those Fox... Like, I've seen these, like, clips where it has, like, um, like, newscasters from, like, all over, all from the same network, but all over, like, local news, repeating the exact same phrase over and over again. Right. Um, well, and there's this sense that you also have the, like, you have the secret knowledge, right? There's the sense of, like, you... With QAnon, there is a sense that you have the secret knowledge. But also, the, the parallel that we found in our own experience was whenever they do the repetition and the like little like, like hey all you need to know is like and then they would just you know I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I really don't want to go down the road of repeating that traumatic stuff but it would be very much like a youth leader kind of saying some stuff into a microphone and like telling people like this is all you need to know and it's it feels so similar yeah I, I like I really feel like appealing to a sense of like having an identity that feels larger than yourself that's like going to overtake the world or be like so much larger and change everything is a, is a huge draw right a huge draw for individuals especially if you feel lost and directionless for sure which is why like so circling back to that very first um YouTube video that we talked about one of the things that they talked about was um, how that's exactly the audience for what this guy like in his framework the Christian church is doing like they're not talking to the people who are in a good place they're talking to people who feel like lost or are going through something horrible yeah who are looking for that sense of like comfort and identity right and if you think about all like a lot of the people who have been fleeced by this by the cult of trump um it's been people in like rural poor communities and who who are fleeced because like we we haven't really delved into capitalism but like (laughs) you guys (laughs) (laughs) for real i'm like for real right yeah um so like 
it's 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 capitalizing on the fact that there is a vulnerability in these rural communities because they want to blame somebody for their problems and it's 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 we can't look too deep into the systemic issues of it um and it's easy to have a scapegoat well and, and like truthfully like they should blame other people for their problems because they're communities that are set up to be um like based on like one agricultural thing that is on its way out and nobody is funding the like agricultural other thing that would help them be sustainable and very similar to inside the church that we experience the harmful aspect of it it was it was be afraid of the other right whatever that was it was some sort of worldly influence so i'm very interested I kind of want to, so this is where we get audience participation. Um, no, I don't want to put anyone on the spot. I do. <laughs> I, want to, I want all y'all to But talk. we also have liquor. So if, if anyone needs a shot, we're not doing beer and donuts this year because like the communion because of, um, you know, COVID, but it's there if you want it. <laughs> um, if anyone wants to talk about, I'm very interested to hear what kinds of hymns um, oh, there is a bee. Oh, Very sweet little oh, buddy bee. Sweet little buddy it's bee. a baby. Um, it's it's now in Sarah's drink. Oh my God! <laughs> There's a. This is a new. Drink it! Drink it! Drink it! Yes! Yes! We've got a high B on set. Yeah, high B on set. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's on the beach. Well done. Yes. Hell yeah. Okay. Put him on the okay. podcast. Yeah. Um, you, you, or anyone, but also you. Um, I. Oh, you got a mic. Yay, Russ. Um, okay, so I'm really interested to hear anyone's experience with like praise or worship that they felt was manipulative can you talk about songs or experiences oh we have a hand okay will you will you please tell us your name and like what your experience is we would love to hear it i'm gonna try not to cry again um no please whatever you need yeah not in front of the speaker um i also went into a non-denominational church and I just have this really visceral memory of um, mercy me. I can only imagine, right? I know. Um, not gonna cry. Um, but the whole service around this song was constructed in a way to make us feel in a certain way. And I still greatly love this youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his motives were pure. I do. Yeah. Um, but the, they took all the chairs out of the, the worship area, and they said, stand at the back of the room and act like Jesus is on the stage. And how are you going to get to Jesus? And I didn't fully understand the moment I, w- I I wanted to respond in the way they wanted me to respond yeah um and then I saw the the documentary Jesus camp yes. and it totally rocked my world because I understood how I was manipulated in that moment to feel as though I needed to prove something that this was a transactional relationship yeah. and not this agape love that they always talked about and I don't really have any more of a point other than that 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 song I still have it on my phone I had to look it up because I haven't listened to it since then but I I couldn't let it go either yeah good for you and it's it's still there and maybe I'll delete it after this no I I get it but I I couldn't let it go so yeah I know I think that's so important to like wrestle with that like what do you feel safe saying your first name Anna. Anna, thank you so much. Thank you. Can I give you a hug? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to. Yeah. Come on up here. Yeah. Can I just, 
can I just say real quick, like some of the songs you named, like actually, I actually was exposed to those and <laughs> similar, <laughs> very, yeah. very scary. Yeah. So, uh, manipulation in praise and worship, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, what's I, your first name? Ha- you? Hannah. Hannah. Hi, yes. Hannah. Yeah. Hey. Anna, then Hannah. Okay. <laughs> um, no, so w- at the church I went to for a quite a while, um, they started during the tithing time, and I can't remember what songs they would play, but instead of collecting the tithe, it was a, I'm going to march to the front of the room, to the front of the stage, and put my tithe in the basket, and then the elders are going to pray over me while I do it. And I think that was pretty manipulative. <laughs> and 100%. It was like, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, uh, and then, you know, it's like, what if I don't have any money today? Like, everybody's yeah. going to know because I didn't go up there. You know what I mean? Like, that. yeah, anyways, that, uh, that's the one that came to my mind. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. That's a plenty. But yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Um, and, and, like, we were actually talking about that earlier because, like, when I grew up, um, there were always, like, these envelopes that you would put your check in, but you also had to fill them out and put your right. name on them. Yeah. And that is, in of its own self, like, a social statement, right? Yeah. Like what you're doing. Like, it's it's meant to be a uh, a statement to the larger community, to the church. And we were, we were, like, actually looking into other models. Like, what would it look like to change models? And and some churches have adopted a donation-only model. Um, and they they had, like, a... Uh, like, no tithe. Uh, no tithe. Like, no tithe. Yeah. but it goes down and then it surges because because it's kind of like the donation only restaurants where you're like oh I want to give to this because it's so it's it's mm-hmm. removed from the service yeah and I kind of like that because there's not this sort of pressure around it during the service mm-hmm. um, my church um, does not do that my church is um, I, I'm not on staff there um, but I love I love my church because it's really trying to um, address people with religious trauma but I feel like we're still kind of working out of other models mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's sort of a hybrid model where people can give online whatever and so no one's expected to give during the service but but I love the idea of going to a donation only where you that it's not even a part of the service are you in a church now no, I'm no. Not to I put mean, you on the spot. <laughs> Me neither. Not like totally against it, but I, I kind of had this experience where yeah. I grew up very, you know, evangelical, mm-hmm. non-denominational, homeschooled till I was in fifth grade, like, and then <laughs> did um, you use the you know Rebecca? went on mission trips, went with, with YWAM, you know, youth with a mission, all that stuff. Did the dances all over the place? Yeah, <laughs> you did. And the dramas and all the things <laughs> um, from from that, and then um, trying to figure out. I think the real, the real hard line for me when I decided this is I can't do this anymore was Trump. Yeah. It was like one of those, like, I kept dancing around it for a while. Like, okay, well, maybe I can believe this. Maybe I can't. You know, I'm trying to figure out how I feel about all of these things, you know. But but when I, when I saw Trump and I saw so many people that I knew, you know, 100% lifting him up. And after, after all of the things he had said, it's not like it wasn't speculative. It was, oh, we have you on video or, I mean, but it wasn't just one thing. It was like thing after thing after thing of all the things that he did. And then still to see these people praising Trump, I just was like, I, I, I am just so repulsed. I now, and and then for me so i'm like okay now i'm having to like reevaluate mm-hmm. everything from the ground up you know so that's kind of where i am <laughs> right Thanks, now Anna. yeah yeah no, no I, thank I you thank you so much and like yeah, i feel that i'm yeah. glad that you're questioning yeah that's great you know that's great yeah. i know it's hard oh okay have, let's let's take it <laughs> wait i'm gonna go gonna uh, let's go the, like who wants to come go up, come up i think there are two people we have both of those we have three Okay. Yeah, okay, let's go Guthrie, then Sandra. And My then praise Robert and worship is quick. I'm Guthrie. <laughs> go Guthrie. It was, it was the cons- conservative church camp, and they separated high school. They Ooh. separated the boys and girls, you know, to desexualize us, which is like <laughs> yeah. extra sexualized me. Are, right, your bodies are bad. And we got a, it was like full on don't masturbate, you know, just Ugh. like this huge speech. 
And then they came out with the band and played this song about give us clean hands. <laughs> and I just, I thought it was hilarious. And I was, it oh, was yeah. very like, that give, is us, wild. give us pure hearts. You just, yeah. you just gave me a flashback <laughs> to a like to a chapel service. Thank where, you, Guthrie. That was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. You just gave me a flashback to a chapel service where um, one of the guys got up and like, and, like to the altar and admitted to masturbating, and the whole room just went silent. All of us were like, "Everyone masturbates. It's normal." <laughs> yeah, it was a hilarious. Okay, then wait, Sandra, and then okay. Yeah. Let's, we're going to go like left to right. Yeah. Hi, Hi my name's Sandra. Um, I'm a Presbyterian minister, and I grew up in the PCUSA. And my first exposure to praise music was um, when I was in high school. Um, I was invited to go to this non-denominational youth ministry that shall not go named. Um, but I remember like being in these worship services. I'm like, oh, my gosh, church is fun. Church is exciting. I'm used to like Frozen Chosen Church. And I, and so hold up, I've never heard that before. What is no, frozen, no, chosen? frozen chosen? Chosen the Presbyterians. Yeah, the Presbyterians. Frozen chosen. Yeah, yeah. Frozen chosen. Yes. Um, so I went yeah. to this summer camp, and again, the first three days of worship, this was all like Jesus is my boyfriend music, like really like moving. And again, because this is my first exposure to praise music, I'm like, church is fun. This is awesome. And then the third night, the tone changed, and it came down to the hellfire and brimstones. If you die tonight, where are you going to be tomorrow? And, and I remember thinking, like, at that age, like, growing up in the church, like, I didn't know exactly what I believed, but I was very uncomfortable at that moment. And so after that, um, um, they did an altar call. I didn't go up because I'm just like, whatever is going on is bullshit, and I can't buy into it. Yes, Sandra. For the rest of the week, my, my, my few friends and I who were like, we're not going up there. This is not right. This is manipulative. Um, we were ignored the entire rest of the week at church you camp. got shunned the door shunned. other people got to go on these faith hikes they got these fancy bibles all the youth directors like focused on them and we were ignored the rest of the week and that's when i gained a new appreciation for the presbyterian church yeah. and this is why reverend yeah. Sandam, sandra moon is a queen yes she is <laughs> she's yes, like she you is. can shun me but you cannot shut me up <laughs> <laughs> okay wait who's behind yeah me? I'm, yes. I'm excited to hear what you have to say my name is Midge, and I'm the host of Gay with God, in case you want oh, to check it out. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Gay with God. Gay with God. Check gay it out. Gay with God. Um, is it, it a podcast? What is it? It is a podcast. Okay. And, uh, Are you guys going to be doing a show? Because of them, I'm going to have a... Um, so, yeah, I was at 10 o'clock oh. this morning. Oh, sorry. I was first. <laughs> she was I first. am a gooseling, and I was first. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but you anyway, were. back to the point. So, Amazing Grace, yeah. hate that song. Okay. And let me tell you why. Yeah. Because growing up in the fundamentalist church, it, it set the stage that, you know, you're a sinner. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with you. If you already soul-wise know that you're gay, and then they play this song, and you're, they're waiting for you to come down to the altar, I mean, I was like every, almost every Sunday. I have got to, you know, I've got to fix this. I've got to be healed. I've got to, and I didn't know I was gay. I just knew that I wasn't worthy. Mm -hmm. There was something wrong with me. I wasn't like everybody else. And so how do I rectify that? Well, you got to keep going to the altar and the music for me. And I think for a lot of people, music, if it has certain chords, it just goes to your soul. And then you feel like you've got to keep going down and getting cleansed again and mm -hmm. again. But here's the other point I wanted to make. People like me, because you have that unworthiness, there's this people-pleasing thing that can take over, and there's also this shame. So when you put shame and people-pleasing and knowing that you're not like everybody else, they can hook you every single freaking time. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, I think that's exactly who they're catering to, like <laughs> the most vulnerable, like the people who feel the most outside. Yes. And I, I mean, like fundamentally disagree with that i think it's hella manipulative um and that's but that's the deal right is that like it's it's absolutely it's yeah. uh i'm so glad you named that because yeah. i do like that vulnerability piece of yeah. like you need to come back for cleansing over yes. and over and over yes. again and, like, and that's so disgusting and like the the flawed idea that there is a like 
normal like that there's some yes. person who is normal that we all need to like be like you know right, yeah yeah so absolutely. my last point would be just to tie this up is that you know if i'm authentically gay then god has always been within me absolutely i don't have to do anything about <laughs> absolutely that. listen to the gay with god podcast yes down is it downloadable on Yes. iTunes, yes. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Yeah, what are you on? What are you on? Yeah. Huh? Spotify, Apple, wherever you can find podcasts, get Gay with God. Yeah. Yes. Okay, who else? Yes. Tell us your first name and, and what you've experienced. I have something else to offer. I actually have a question. Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. So my name is Kate. Hi, Kate. I'm I'm awkward. I'm a youth pastor. Hi. Uh, I've been a youth pastor. I've been a youth pastor. Um, So I actually um, am curious about, I know what my answers to this question would be, but given the dialogue that we've had in this space um, this evening, I am curious to hear from the group. If you could repastor to yourself as a teenager, what would you do? What would you say? Um, and I invite you to share that with me, um, either after this or like if you see me out at the, the main stage or whatever, like I want to hear it. Um, again, I have my own answers to this too. Like I'm with you, we're, in, we're on the same page. Um, but I think I would love to hear that from others. And then also when you're brought to tears about the experiences you've had in your youth and how you were misled and not loved and not welcomed exactly as you were in the years where you most needed to be. Um, maybe ask yourself that question too. If I could go back to little, to little baby me who was 12 years old and I could repasture myself, what would I say? What would I do? I do that for myself a lot. Yeah. <laughs> No, you take the mic. <laughs> oh, no. no. Yeah, yeah, please, we want to get this. We want to record this. If I would repastor myself as from a youth minister's standpoint, my youth minister told me that homosexuality was like having sex with animals. That set me back years. So I think if I could repastor myself, I would be open and I would figure out how to contextualize the scripture so that you couldn't, you wouldn't swallow the vomit and then give it to me so that I swallow the vomit. Is that youth pastor still alive? We write it, Don. <laughs> what was your name? Anna. Anna. And what Anna said was that you know she still is clinging to that song and she believes that her youth minister was really really a good guy and had pure intentions and I think mine did too but the problem is that pure intentions only go so far if somebody has given you wrong information and you swallow it and then in your good intention you're going to give it to me to save my soul there just has to be some kind of accountability for how the scriptures are interpreted yes. and how you pass them to the children I really agree with you on this yes one. preach gay, gay with God if you you gotta download like, that podcast right like, fucking now. Like, good intentions just aren't enough. It's not enough. And I have to say that, like, um, for me, um, you know, answering that question that you asked, Kate, um, it's such a good question. Um, I, yeah, please. Well, yes, please do. Into the microphone. I mean, like, I, like, I myself have been on the other end of like the good intentions. Doug. 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 Why aren't we chanting that for Apparently everyone? You know my yes. Name. <laughs> love it. What's your first name? Doug. Doug. <laughs> Welcome. I love you. <laughs> I would tell myself the same thing that I tell everybody now. There is no way. The only path is the path that you individually are on. And no matter where you are on that path, no matter what you are doing on that path, you are loved and you are perfect. If you can take that thought home with you from this festival but and run with it, your whole life will change. You're loved. Yeah. All right, like, that's, like that's ideal, but that's also so antithetical to the church. I know. Sorry, I'm. I'm not trying to like. She's outside. I, I agree. Yes, 100%. it should be. You're but right. Also, like for this institution to exist, it create like it necessarily has to create a like an ideology that it's necessary. The church mm. is never going to go away until it stops being a business. 
Oh, damn. Preach. Doug Preach. just said the church is never going to go away until it stops being a business. That is that is heavy. Um, I also want to say that, um, like, for me, I think that something that would be really good for youth ministers is to have um, our whole lives certification, um, which is uh, um, sex education through the um, UU. I'll, like, they, um, the Unitarian Universalists offer that as a certification. Um, I never got that. I never got comprehensive sex education. Um, I w- was attracted to both women and men and didn't understand what that meant um and thought there was something wrong with me and ended up with a wonderful man ryan and i love you so much um we've been married for a long time and he loves me for who i am um but i'm bisexual and i didn't realize that um and if someone had told me um what was normal and what was okay and healthy for sexuality that would have been i can't even tell you what that would have meant for me to know that i was okay and normal um and also that, that my sexuality wasn't, um, I was taught that it was bad for um, tempting men um, during my um, high school years in, uh, that if I wore my skirt too short, that it was going to distract them. Um, so my sexuality was always in response to men, and yeah. that is problematic and harmful. Um, so I think that having giving um, kids comprehensive sex education in the church um, would be wonderful as a tandem to like um, what they're getting in school because we don't know what they're going to get in school but if we can give them good scientific information that would be amazing so thank you Kate for asking that question I know you're an amazing youth leader just because you're asking that question And I just want to thank you all for being vulnerable. Like, yes. thank you so much. Listen well, to Gay wait, with God. Is there, any, is there anybody else who has anything to say? What's ha- what are we, what's <gasps> yes. their time limit? Can, we, can we, we keep going, Russ? Time, Will you let him? No, no, no come please, on, come please, on. please, please let him. No, please. No, please. please. Come on. One more. One more. One more. One more. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> we've started a cult, oh. and it is a cult of love. So honestly, the music trauma. Honestly, the music trauma specifically kind of. What's went your over name? My head. Sorry, um, Don. Don, nice um, to meet you. So, but and I guess listening to Sandra in particular, I, and, and forgive me if everyone's already hip to this, but I wonder if favoritism is perhaps one red flag for youth ministry, mm. um, right? Ooh. So, so one of my first traumas um the church i was baptized in um one of the tactics the youth minister used was sort of picking very charismatic kids as like the examples and like oh look how great they are and so when i was in about sixth grade i went to a youth thing and had my pants pulled down in front of the whole youth group oh my god and my parents went to talk to the youth minister and he was basically like yeah i'm not gonna do anything about that this is like one of my you know all-star guys and and like to my parents credit they left the church despite having like you know a lot of connection there and um you know and a lot of close ties right but like the church we went to wasn't terribly different right like there was sort of the same dynamic and the same dynamic of like you know for instance um you know the pastor's kid got in trouble with the law and other things and then like you know oh i feel a call to ministry and suddenly he was like back in like good graces and it's like okay he's great and he's going to lead worship and if you're asking these difficult questions then you're like you know let's let's talk after class right yeah yeah. Um, i think you're absolutely right like i have not seen really anything about bullying in the church and that's like kind of what we're talking about right Right. is that like these kids are protected because they are seen as like quote unquote like like their parents are high tithers yeah. or um you know they got pushed down the stairs by the youth minister who was the pastor's kid Jeez. yeah, yeah. Seriously. yeah like if we're talking about trauma like for, for yeah. like and they they're protected right yeah. and then they get pushed around to different churches like yeah. you are talking about a really important topic here yeah, yeah. so anyway well that, yeah. yeah i mean like but I, I really feel for it and honestly i i guess i just feel like i don't know I feel really sorry that like, you know, song, music, th- I guess, like I said, I think some of this dynamic went over my head yeah. when I was a kid, right? Like, I don't think I even realized I was, this manipulation thing, I was kind of like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But I, right. I feel, 
I really, I, you know, I thank everyone else for sharing too. Don, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you all for being so vulnerable and sharing your yeah. story and feeling safe in this space. Um, I hope that you feel like you can connect with us and share more of your story if you would like. Um, we find those stories so sacred. Um, we, you know, listen to our podcast if you want to, if you find, you know, something out of this, like listen to us on. We're pretty you know, funny. We're this we're is actually funny. a more serious version yeah. of our show. Like when it's funny. just us, we're pretty like just riffy. I, we we drink bourbon, we chat, we yeah. laugh. Um, I, like when I edit the show, I laugh. Yes, but <laughs> yeah, she'll message me like, <laughs> "We're funny." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, yeah. Download our podcast. We've got free koozies. We've got some merch over there. Everything's ten bucks. Yeah. like whatever. We're, we're on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher. Um, SoundCloud, SoundCloud. but just messages we like we like chatting that's really what we want we want community engagement so like y'all yeah your stories are important to us seriously we're on your experience matters are we on instagram yet no Uh, i we are both individually on instagram i am my name at laura a barclay and like and with a c (laughs) c. thank you thank you like at I swear I do stuff dad <laughs> I swear I do stuff that's amazing you have it like no that's no we're friends but I can't remember your, I yeah. started I started my my Instagram because like every time dad would be like what do you do in LA and I'd be like I don't know stuff and so it's just I like, swear I, I do swear stuff, I dad. Do that's stuff dad but if you d it, grab a koozie and if you dm yeah. us at bible bitches then we'll we'll find you so on, on twitter on twitter we're not on Instagram. <laughs> weird fucking Zuckerberg yeah. Facebook just like Loki like they were like we page. hate bitches <laughs> we love you guys Anyways, thank you thank so you much so for coming Bible bitches